creative friends. This is Secret Sauce, a podcast about the secret ingredients in artwork and life. I'm your host, Becca Borelli. I'm also an illustrator in Austin, Texas, and this is episode 20 to zero, <laughs> entitled Growler on Your Shoulder, an interview with Jordan Getz, the founder of Growler Domestics, a custom furniture design and metal fabrication company here in Austin, Texas. Y'all are in for a treat. I'm so excited to have Jordan here. He's the f- perfect first guest. Um, and so on that note, I want to tell you a little story about how we met because I feel that interestingly, the story of how he and I met is sort of the perfect segue into talking with him because it does this really beautiful job of illustrating secret sauce in relationship to Jordan, in relationship to his company. Um, yeah. So, and then we're just going to hit the ground running with Jordan. Um, so I would say 2012, 2013-ish, a good friend and I were walking down Rainy Street in Austin, Texas. Those of my Austin friends know exactly where that is. If you are listening in from outside of Austin, Rainy Street is a fascinating street. Um, in 2012, 2013, it was wildly different than it is now. Now it is pa- packed with restaurants and bars and luxury hotels and luxury condominiums. And you wouldn't even believe that just seven or eight years ago, it was mostly full. No, it wasn't mostly full. It was totally full of decrepit, dilapidated old bungalow houses. And, you know, Rainy was you know, even 15 or 20 years ago, predominantly Mexican-American residents. It was considered a, you know, a really robust and culturally diverse street, but also like it was not an area that was known for, you know, bars (laughs) at all. And then in 2010, 2011, someone got this idea to turn one of the abandoned houses into a bar and then it it caught on and so by the time 2012 2013 happened the house was this really fascinating mix of residents and bars and the and the whole street had this feeling of like a house party because all the bars were in houses um it was like a really special you know sliver of time for rainy street like now it just feels like an extension of downtown um but at the time, it was one of our favorite places to go and get a drink. And we were walking down Rainy Street when I hear a guy sitting outside of one of the, the new bars say, hey, hey, come here, come here. And I, <laughs> I still to this day don't totally know why we listened, probably because it was Jordan and Jordan is an authentic dude. Because and my lady fr- listener friends, but and maybe I'm being a little bit gender biased here because guys can relate to this too. But really, in in bar districts in general, they usually put dudes like out on the street whose sole purpose is to get women to come into bars, and so you know you learn to kind of ignore them. <laughs> and for whatever reason, my friend and I st- were like, "Yeah, okay," and we start talking to this guy, and within two or three minutes. Both of us, like I remember talking about it with her later, both of us felt like this guy was our best friend and not in a cheesy salesman, charismatic kind of way. Like 
he was so ridiculously comfortable in his own skin and so normal and nice. And he asked lots of interesting questions and then would like listen to the answers and he was really fun. And I mean, we probably only talked to him for a few minutes and then he's like, here's some free drink tickets going in. He's like, I don't actually work here, but my friend owns this bar and because it's kind of new on my off days, I'll come here and sit outside and chat people up to get them to try it out. And I remember thinking, yeah, you are the perfect person to do this job. <laughs> um, we connected on social media and I came to find that we had a mutual friend who is also a classmate of mine at UT. And she was she validated all of my presuppositions about Jordan. She said, oh my goodness, yeah, he's a bartender with me. He's such a nice guy. He makes friends with everybody. Um, and that was it. Like I didn't see him again um, until honestly 2019 when he connected with one of my studio mates on a project. But we were linked on social media. And so I started to see the birth of Growler Domestics. Um, he began working for himself a few years before I did. And in a lot of ways, Jordan's emergence onto the solar entrepreneur scene was a role model for me. We obviously work in totally different industries, but I worked in hospitality for a long time. I was kind of a scrappy, um, uh, you know, restaurant bar type of person and could really relate to trying to transition out of that industry into, um, working for yourself. Interestingly, also Jordan and I have the education background in common. He went to school to be a teacher and was intelligent enough to not get himself in there. I, <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I, I don't regret a single second of teaching in public school and I miss it all the time. Um, but because of our similarities and also being wildly different in a lot of ways, um, he was an interesting role model for me to watch on social media as I was beginning my journey. And so I'm really excited to have him here to chat with you a little bit about that journey and also to talk about what it's like being a maker and figuring out how to be yourself in this time and space um, when it's really hard, when there's so much pressure to be like other people, to perform for, for the internet. Um, yeah, so... I'm not going to yab your ear off anymore. Um, we're going to dive right in and take it away with Jordan. If you like what the interview is and if you're interested in knowing more, please check him out at growlerdomestics.com. Check out his Instagram at growlerdomestics because his social media presence is basically an extension of his human presence. He's fun and easygoing and himself and it's really, really cool account to follow, even if you don't, you know, have a specific interest in custom furniture. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you, friends, for being here. Take it away, Jordan. We Can you just start off by um, sharing what Growler Domestics does? Um, and then also, I would love for you to tell the story a little bit about how you got that name, because it's cool. <laughs> Uh, well, Growler Domestics started out as kind of a maker business, and when I say maker, I mean, I mean, like I would take pieces of reclaimed wood and, you know, a fasten uh, 
make mason jars onto them and make planches out of those and sell those. And, uh, you know, and I know that that's been done, but this was, you know, nine years ago. Like this wasn't really a thing. Like, uh, and I would drive around old neighborhoods that were being torn down like Travis Heights or Hyde Park and had the cool like 30s homes. And the wood was just lying there in a pile and like the people that were the construction guys were like, yeah, take it. Like you're doing us a favor. Like you can't, now you can't even do that. Like it's bought. Like people are buying reclaimed wood. It is insane. Um, <clears throat> I would I'd find branches and, and tie and like tie them so that they would hang from a ceiling and then from there hang light bulbs that I had hollowed out and I would put terrariums inside of. And so that's where it started. And then I, you know, I started growing into, you know, where do I want this to go? What am I going to do long-term? And a buddy of mine was in the business of remodeling bars. So he had some of the tools and whenever he got a new one, he would give me a drill or a saw or whatever. But for the longest time I was hand sawing everything like insane like just like i still have my first saw like it's hanging up in the shop <laughs> but i mean yeah so it grew into that i would make you know from like i had my stack of reclaimed wood from collecting on the side of my house i was working out of my spare bedroom and i would drag all the tools to the front yard every day go bartend at night and um, ended up making you know coffee tables Nothing crazy. I would order hairpin legs on Etsy and, uh, and put them together with pieces of wood on top and call it a day. And looking back, I'm like, that's garbage. Like, that's so crappy, dude. Like, wow. I can't believe someone bought that. My first coffee tables. And I forgot that she had bought one of my first coffee tables. And I was just like, wow, that's a really cool piece. Where did you get that? And she would start laughing. She's like, oh, you're funny. And I was like, what? She's like, you made that for me. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, that was pretty wild. Um, and so it just kind of grew. People were like, you know, Facebook, I think, was just kind of taking off. And it wasn't really the tool that it was or is today. And neither was Instagram. Instagram was like, oh, how many filters can I put on this artistic photo? Like, you know, it was just like, it, there was no marketing on Facebook. There was no stores on Facebook. There was no business on Facebook. It was just photos of your life. This is what I'm eating. I got a new phone case. I like this bottle of wine. Can anyone tell me where my other earplug is so I can go to bed? Like, it just wasn't a thing. Um, and so I kind of grew that business with those platforms, with social media. And, um, you know, people were like, you need to put that on Facebook because someone's going to buy that. That's really cool. And in my head, you could just drive around the neighborhood, find some wood, slap it on some hairpin legs and call it a day. So I said, fuck it. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, let's see what happens. I put it on Facebook, 250 bucks. In my head, I'm like, dude, that's crazy. I would never spend 250 bucks on a coffee table. <laughs> you know? And boom, sold. Next one, boom, sold. And it just kind of snowballed a little bit from there. And I would, I just remember you know, being in the bar industry and it being like, uh, you're not, like people are like, you're not going to get out. Like no one gets out of the bartending industry because it's good, fast money. And you can make a lot of money, but you also spend a lot of money. Um, 
And so I just remember one year making a, a deal with myself saying, this is going to be the last year that I ever bartend. Not ever. I mean, I would go back. It was fun. Um, but this is going to be the last year you bartend. You're going to do this full time. And that was like January. And I remember going to Triple Eight Asian restaurant and opening my fortune cookie like three months later. And it said, you will soon change career paths. And I still have that fortune cookie. That's rad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like literally three weeks later, I got a call to build out a seventh flag coffee shop on South First. Wow. And that was like a $12,000 job. Yeah. And like in my head, I mean, that's still a big job, but like, you know, now you know, you're going to do 16 pieces. It's not going to be that cheap. No. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? But I was like, oh my God, like $12,000 in my pocket straight up. Like, that's a lot of cash. Like, I can quit bartending now. Yeah. Like, at, you know, at, at least for a little bit and see where this goes. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, give it a shot. Like, if you don't, if you don't try, like, you, like I, you know, I used to hate that saying. But if you don't try it, like, you're never going to know. Yeah. And what's the worst thing that happens? Yeah. Like, it doesn't work. Or like, you reassess and you come at it at a different angle like yeah. that's not that bad of an outcome <laughs> I love this segue too because one of I met do you remember how we met it was a long time ago and it was very random but Where was it? it was you were working the door at Javelina's on rainy street oh, yeah it's for like fun um and I was with a friend of mine because we were in grad school at the time I was waiting tables just like working service also and we connected through social media and i remember my friend and i were both really taken by how easy you were to talk to like i feel like we had been friends forever but we had just met and i happened to notice that we had a mutual friend on social media and i went to her and i was like do you know this guy and she's like this guy's awesome and I, she bartended with you and uh, lombardi yeah oh, yeah yeah and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that bartending connection because I feel like I'm just curious if you viewed that time as like helpful or, um, you know, to, to transitioning, you know, into your current situation. That's a great question. Yeah. It's, um, I actually talk about that a lot because when people ask me how I got my start, because can you hear this? No. Okay, because there's a huge house being built right here. Oh my gosh, no, I can't. <laughs> okay, it's just like, wah, 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 wah. Um, Okay, so, yeah, I actually talk about that a lot when people ask me because, you know, I bartended for five years, and me being a people person, and, you know, like you said, easy to talk to you, I try to make myself available uh, emotionally and, you know, energy or whatever you want to call it, but just some, you know, available to talk to and, and uh, without realizing what I was doing for five years and making friends was networking the entire city of Austin. I didn't realize that I was pouring drinks for bar owners. I didn't realize that I was pouring drinks for restaurant owners, doctors, lawyers, plastic surgeons, therapists, teachers. I had no idea who these people were. I knew that they drank the Jack and Coke. I knew they drank their vodka Red Bull. I knew these people liked five rounds of fire, fireball shots but like, you know, I worked high volume bars, so I didn't really get that much time to, to get to know them on a personal, personal level. I was available and I was friendly and they liked me and I liked them. Um, 
But I was like, oh, yeah, there's, there's vodka Red Bull or there's Jack and Coke over there. Like, you know, but yeah, I networked everybody. And then Facebook was a thing. So I started adding my regulars and adding these people on Facebook so that they could see my, my coffee tables that I'm making from, you know, dumpsters. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was, it, that helped out because once I made that transition and being in a city that supports artists, I'm now going full-time, everybody. I'm no longer bartending. I got a big job. Woohoo! Yay me. Yada, yada, yada. And everyone's behind me now. And now I've got restaurants being like, yo, like Frank, the Frank the restaurant was like, my friend uh, Northcutt was the owner of that. And he was like, hey, I I need, you did? <laughs> I did. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I did. So you know, when Northcutt called me and was like, yo, I need 20 tables. And I want you to do it. I want you to redo the bar top. I was like, oh my God, that's another big job. You know, and then figure eight calls and like, hey, we need 12 pieces. And it just snowballed. And, you know, I think luckily I do decent work you know good enough to where I don't advertise or pay for advertising or anything I let people recommend me um, and word of mouth is a huge thing for me yeah yeah so, um, yeah I think that bartending was secretly a five-year networking course for me yeah and I you know it's super interesting too because I'm curious if you have any like thoughts or theories on um, why people love like i i feel and maybe this is just me being a little bit biased because i work for myself too but i feel like compared to 20 30 years ago maybe even five years ago it feels like people especially in austin like you mentioned are really driven to work with small independent makers that they know versus like a larger maybe more national company and i'm just curious in your industry especially like if you have any theories on why that is or or what you specifically offer that's different you know um i i think that people in general like the idea of having something made for them i think people have always liked the idea of this is mine no one else has it kind of a thing that mentality um and I think that if they have the opportunity to support a local artist, whether they know them or not, you know, rather than going to West Elm or Restoration Hardware, uh, that they that they try at least to, to do that if they can afford it. It's not going to be uh, the same price, mm -hmm. you know. Like I get people that I mean, I know those websites; those are my competition. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so when I get an email and I get pictures, I know exactly if it's from CB2. I know it's from Restoration Hardware, but at least I know what their price point is now. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, but then if I come at them, like, I don't know. It's funny. It's a funny question because, yeah, people do like to support them or us as artists. But yeah, but then, but they don't like, sometimes they don't like that price tag. Like, no. It's, it's, it's so, it's so funny. It's so fucked too because, like, you don't send me a $6,000 sofa table from restoration hardware and i i'm sure you know you've been in this business now like you know when someone's being real or not so i'll just send them back that same price and then i'll put and then i'll put a delivery charge on it and they're like oh i was hoping to get it less than that i'm like well then go to restoration hardware like like i'm not mass producing these things i literally go hand select every single piece they bring a forklift of wood and yeah. it takes me an hour to pick out the wood. Like, I don't like this one. It's bent. I don't like the grain on this one. I want it to match this one. Like, there's a whole process that goes in that people don't understand. And I think that that's, I'm trying currently 
to document kind of that stuff and like becoming more comfortable on their phone and talking to it. That was like a year process for me to like, I still freak out. The Amazon guy shows up and I'm talking on my phone. I'm like, Hey, what's up everyone? We're in the shop today. And then Pete shows up and he's like, Hey, I got a package. I'm like, ah! <laughs> Oh my God. Like, I'm so embarrassed. Like this is terrifying. That was the worst day of my life. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I, you know, I think that people want to support local artists always, especially in Austin. I don't, I don't live in, obviously don't live in other states. I don't work in other states, uh, but I've gotten work from out of state through yeah. word of mouth. Uh, yeah. I just don't think, I don't, don't think that it exists like it does in Austin. I think that I was, I think you've, you're hitting on something that I didn't realize until recently. I think I assumed for a long time that everywhere was that way. And then it wasn't until I started talking to other makers that I realized Austin's kind of a special bubble in that way. Maybe Portland and some other places. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, but I, you know, I don't, I don't see like a, a it, it, maybe there are, but it's like a special small bubble. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, I'm not, you know, getting hit up by, or what if I, you know, if I get hit up by like a hotel, like I just feel like hotels in New York are going to be hitting up a local artist, not yeah. about 40, 40 pieces for them. Like they're not stay up for 24 hours all month long yeah. and knock out these 40 pieces for you. Like I want my name on that. I want that on my resume. Like I will work my ass off to get this check. Yeah. 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 Like, so I guess, and I guess, back into how I got the name Growler like that's kind of it um, I was going through names and it was like torture like trying to figure out a band name and I didn't like Jordan Getz designs I didn't like Jordan designs Jordan's concepts da 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 just garbage just all day long and um, I woke up one morning and Growler popped into my head and then it popped into my head more of like what do you do in a situation where your back's against the wall or where you're intimidated or you're unsure and like you know you have to get this done kind of thing or like if you don't get through this hurdle like like i don't know so it was just more of an attitude of me not backing down from you know projects that might be overwhelming like so yeah well, that was a big old blah blah blah. No, I um, love it. I think I love the story, your origin story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I mean, I just got tongue tied. Uh, what's it called? But yeah, it was just not backing down from challenge or you know being intimidated and allowing yourself to be overwhelmed because I think that a lot of people look at being overwhelmed as a bad thing. And my first bartending job ever was at Barflies up north. Mm -hmm. And my friend Keith was like, I'll teach you how to bartend. Like, just come here and jump behind the bar. And I, he left, he left. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't even know how to use a register. Like, I, like so these guys came and like, we want some Irish car bombs. So I was like, I love Irish car bombs. And then I was like, but I don't know how to make them. Like, uh, you know, and um, like he told me, it's like, don't, he's like, get overwhelmed. Get as overwhelmed as you can. Like, it's fine. It's totally fine. Like, you're going to come out on the other end of that totally fine and you're going to learn so much and so that i guess growler is that just now it's like now i get a, a i never say no i'm just like yeah i can do that have i yeah. ever done it before well, i don't know probably not but i can do it like i know i can i have the skills to do it i have the tools to do it and i think that's also kind of cool with what we do with growlers it's all one of a kind mm -hmm. 
Uh, I like this too as a segue into, because you didn't sit down and like type up a business plan for Growler Domestics. This was a really organic process. And I feel like a lot of people that listen to this podcast are either in the beginning or thinking about putting their work that whatever they make public. And so I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, like what was sort of the metamorphosis maybe? To what? Like right now you obviously have this like really fully functioning fleshed out business, but. I mean, it, I still have never written a business plan. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, if you were like, Jordan, I need a business plan by the end of the week, I'd be like, dear Google, like, <laughs> how do you write a business plan? Like, I don't know, are these my goals? This is what I need to accomplish? This is what I need to accomplish it? Like, I have no idea what goes into a business plan. Like, but yeah, it's just, it, it just very organic. And once it got into the big leagues of doing bigger jobs where I'm re renting, you know, scissor lifts or, uh, yeah. you know, forklifts or anything like that, like, then it was just like, okay, uh, I was able to pull from my network of, you know, furniture makers and fabrication specialists and whatever makers in general able to pull from that network and sit down with them and be like, hey, how do you do this? And that was another thing. Like, like it's a very tight-knit tight -knit group of people. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're all in it together. And if I lose a bid to somebody, like, I don't, it's just the name of the game. I'm not going to, I don't hate you. <laughs> but, well, like, I, you know, but at the same, you know, at the end of the day, I can still call you and come over here and have a beer in the shop and, and be like, hey, how do I do this? How do I approach this situation? Like, I'm not sure about how to draft this out. And how did you come up with a price for that? Like, how do you price your furniture? Like, whoa, like how much is my time worth? I don't know. And like, I was like, you know, this is where I started. This is where I think you're at. I've been at this longer than you and blah, 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 da, 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 da. And it's nice to have that network. People and relationships are a huge part of it from bartending too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I want to transition. Um, one of the things that this podcast talks a lot about is that when you start making things and you start putting it public, whether you're monetizing it and selling it or just sharing it. Um, and if you do it long enough on a consistent basis, you will start to change in surprising and often unexpected ways. Um, I know for me, I never, I always thought I was too shy and timid to, to work for myself. And I found myself suddenly like, you know, like negotiating with people at Visa and like playing hardball with them and, and wondering who this person was. Now you're a boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. So I'm wondering if like a story or memory comes to mind of a time where you were just like, whoa, like that you realized that maybe not that you made it necessarily, but that you had transitioned or shifted in a way that surprised you um, from when you were from between obviously bartending and now. Or, or maybe not. Maybe there was not that, that sort of, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know that there was ever, can you not hear that music? I can't. That's so crazy. Damn. It's so loud. <laughs> <You're really> loud. <laughs> Look at this giant structure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, Is that just all day? <laughs> no, I mean, it's fine. I'm in the shop making just as much noise. Um, so yeah, I don't think that I've had a moment where I'm like, I've made it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe when I got my first shop. Has, the, has, has Growler changed you at all though? In what way? In any way. 
And any um, <laughs> Man, I would say maybe I take myself a little bit more seriously. <laughs> like, that makes me you know, I might have back, I might have dialed it back a hair. You know what I mean? Just to be my, you know, I'm now a professional, you know, businessman. Like, I'm not into my punk rock band anymore, and I'm not just <laughs> bartending, being a drunk asshole all the time. Um, so I think, you know, maybe maybe becoming a little bit more professional and just dialed in as a human being. <laughs> as a member of society uh but no not really i mean i don't have any roommates i don't have roommates anymore <laughs> no i love that it's, it's cool to hear you say that because i feel like at least from my perspective one of the things you really bring to i don't know i don't know a ton of i know some other people that work in your industry but i feel like the fact that you take yourself less seriously is a really big advantage for you do you feel that way yeah and i think it helps just to maintain like who I am and, and also maintain like like you said like it's easy to talk to me yeah. like it's easy to to get in there and, and you know I I don't have any clients that I can think of uh, that I'm not friends with now who I don't text on the side and I'm like yo how's your night going what are you up to how's quarantine you know what I mean and they're like Why you, did you mean to text me I'm like yeah what's up how's your table like it's just checking in you know, they text me and, you know, it's, yeah. I think that that, I think that, I think that, uh, that plays a big part in it. Yeah, I do too. I, I, when I asked you to do this with me, one of the first things you did was just on a drop of a dime got tacos. And I was like, man, I, my days are planned like this shit. And you're just, yeah. like, I love that you, I feel like you kind of roll with it during the day. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah. If, it, if I uh, have crazy deadlines, then, then I'm pretty meticulous and, and in there and head down. And uh, quarantine's definitely been a little bit of a shift uh, with work and, you know, having work come in, mm -hmm. but then, like, not have it go out because we don't know when it's going to open. Like, oh, like, when do you need this by? Like, oh, wait, whenever you're done. Like, that doesn't help me. Like, I'm going to go sit on the couch. I'm gonna go sand this for a little bit, like, and it's 110 degrees out, and I'm gonna go chill. Like, you can, take, you can tell me that I need eight pieces done in 24 hours, they will be done. Like, but you don't just tell me, like, eh, whatever. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, for the most part, I just go with it. I mean, if I'm in, if I'm, yeah, if I'm in the point, I try to always, like, if I'm in the shop working and someone calls me or you're like, hey, let's go get tacos, <clears throat> I try to, get to a point in my in my work where it's working for me while I'm gone. Where like if you had a section of a mural that you wanted to get finished and someone I came by and was like, hey, let's go get burgers, vegetarian burgers. Uh, and Thank you. I, didn't catch I, I remember, <laughs> let's, let's go get burgers. And then you're like, okay, well give me like 30 minutes. I'm gonna finish this one piece. And then when I go eat with you, it's drying. And it's ready for the next coat the next time when I come back. So as long as I can get to a point where I feel comfortable leaving my work for an hour. Other, yeah, otherwise, I forget to eat my dinner, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I when I was checking out your social media when we first got connected on Instagram, I've noticed a lot of your posts 
it seems to me like you really love the process, the processes that you work with. Maybe not all of them. I know you mentioned like you hate drilling in metal or something, but like generally um, you post a lot about what it seems like your love for the materials. And I was just wondering like if you would want to share with people when you kind of found that love, has it always been there or did it kind of come later in life? And like, if there's a story or a memory attached to when you first were like, this is something I love to do, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, there's so many different processes for every single material I use, like from picking out the wood, like that's fun, but I don't really like sanding it. Like a lot of people love sanding. It's therapeutic. They can zone out. I'm like, I need this thing smooth. Um, you know, buying the steel, you know, a lot of people think that you're buying these things and you just put the legs together. Like that's not the case. Like I buy 24 foot, sticks each each stick is 24 feet and yeah and it's greasy and i have to cut all of them so if i have to make a table like and it's 28 inches tall like i gotta buy i can't buy 28 inch pieces i have to buy a 24 foot stick take it home cut it down degrease it like 10 times i hate that process like that is just murder like just oh man was but I love. Stuff? Oh, you love? Sorry. Oh, I said, but I love. I love welding. A friend of mine uh, took time out of his workday and his fabrication life to let me come to his shop and basically just hand me the welding gun and some scrap metal. I was like, okay, like, don't light yourself on fire. And he, you know, gave me a quick two-minute tutorial of how it how to how it works, and um, that was. That was a that was a turning point for me because once I actually learned how to weld, I realized like now I can really do anything. And that's how it started for you. That's wild. You just yeah. Wow. Everything's self-taught. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So when I did Seventh Flag Coffee, the contractor for that job uh, was in charge of ordering the table bases, and they were just like your standard restaurant pedestal table bases. And he was supposed to order three different heights and they came and they were all the same height, like 42 inches and they were all too tall. So then he looks at me and he's like, Hey, like you can fix this. Right. And I was like, yeah, but not for free. Like this isn't my mess up. You know what I mean? Like I didn't do this. Like, <laughs> Good for you. like you know how much time this is going to take. This is like, <laughs> this is like so much. And, uh, he said, like, well, how much do you want? I was like, well, I'll make a deal with you. Uh, I will, you buy me a welder machine. Wow. And I will do this for you and not charge you. Wow. Because, and I, I still like definitely lost money on that. Like it probably would have been like a yeah. few thousand dollars for me to cut these table bases down. And it has that threaded rod in the middle so you can tighten it and then put your table base on it. I had to cut those down and re-thread it. But I also knew that if he gave me, you know, $4,000 to do this, I knew I wasn't going to spend two grand on the welder. Yeah. I would rather, I'd rather go take my friends to go get sushi and it's on me and drinks. And, you know, a month later, I'm like, where did my $4,000 go? <laughs> <laughs> so in my, head, in my head, I made the right decision. I got a welder out of the guy. And, um, and. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but I also knew that like 
with this welder, like I'm going to be able to do everything and anything I want to do. Like if I want, like I just made a mirror frame with rounded corners and welded it all together and welded the tabs on it, just like they do in the you know big box stores at Restoration Hardware, and like it looks store bought, like it's great. You know what I mean? So it, for me, it was it was a smart move. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, what is what is a piece of advice you would give to someone trying to start out? And I don't know. I don't necessarily mean in your industry, but just like in any creative work that they want to monetize. Um, there's never going to be a right time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Mine wasn't the right time. It just you know it fell into fell into my lap that I got this job. Um, and I, in the back of my head, you know, or, or on the left side of my shoulder, there was that demon being like, are you kidding? Like, you cannot take this job on. Like, you don't know what you're doing. You, you don't have the manpower. Like, what do you think? Why would you think you can take on 17 pieces by yourself in like two months? Yeah. And on the right side, Growler over here is just like, dude, you got this. Don't worry about it. Like, don't. <laughs> You, you, got, you, you got this. You, you just dive on in. You'll figure it out. And, you know, now, now it's, you know, just, just do it. You know what that makes me think of? And I'm going to tangent for a second on a story, but I feel like it's really relevant to your point. I, when I was in grad school, we read about a study on freaking doctors. And they did, and it was an insurance company sponsored study on which doctors get sued the most. And they thought there was going to be a correlation between uh, capability and suing and getting sued. And what they discovered is that people don't, don't press charges against doctors for being incapable. They press charges against doctors for being dicks. And it was really sobering for me to realize that because I think a lot of people that are getting ready to get started, they think like, oh, I need to know because someone's going to like, and I feel like it's a testament to you because you were learning as you went, but you're also really awesome person to work with. I mean, you know what I mean? And I feel I like don't. you don't. Oh, <laughs> I've never worked with myself. <laughs> Fair enough. But I feel, <laughs> I, feel like, um, I feel like your networking and your interpersonal skills probably play a role in it from bartending. And I feel like that's cool for people to hear that are listening to this podcast because they, I think people do expect that there's this magic time, like you were saying, where they'll just know everything they need to know. And um, the truth of the matter is like... Uh, You're the, always learning. The world doesn't work that way. The world doesn't need you to be perfect. You know, it needs you to be nice. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah, being nice is, is it works. It is, I mean, it is, I've had issues where, with clients where you can't be nice. Like, it's, you know, some, sometimes clients are just, you know, assholes. And Talk about that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. Ugh. I have since learned very well how to read people i've always had a good read on people and in my environments yeah and i will now i now know when to say no to a job and it's nice to have that luxury to be like i'm not going to take this on because i've definitely you know in my life i've only had eight and eight years eight and a half years two or three people where i'm just like get the fuck out of here yeah do you want to 
do you, I don't know if you'll have an answer for this, but I'm curious if you do, do you have anything? I know you said you read people really well, but for people that don't feel like they read people really well, is there anything like concrete that you've noticed that a lot of people that are going to be challenging to work with have? Um, I feel like that's helpful for makers to know, you know? Um, I've done a bit of research um, actually about body language. Okay. And how to read people through that and how to um, control your body language yeah. and the way you control your body language will ultimately control their body language and that can set you up for success um, when working with people if you're a little bit uncomfortable uh, you know I've noticed you know I know that like if you were going to a meeting and your hands are in your pocket like that's like just kind of awkward you know what I mean like and even when I talk to a friend and they have their hands in their pockets. I'm, I'd probably go grab their hands and take them out of their pockets because I feel uncomfortable now. <laughs> so it's, you know, I think that that's a huge thing is being able to read people and their body language and being able to disarm people. Yeah, I do too. By the way you present yourself. Yeah. This, what we're talking about is one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on this podcast because I think I'm pretty good at reading people. I used to be a school teacher and I waited tables, the Four Seasons Hotel. And I, rarely meet someone who I feel like is as good <laughs> with their energy. And when I met you, I was like, this dude is awesome. And I don't know him at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like secret sauce is kind of founded on this idea that there's like really invisible ingredients we bring to our work that are huge parts of our work that we don't think about all the time. And I feel like your ability to read people is a big one. Yeah. Thank and, you. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and a lot of it, I mean, unfortunate for this, that comes naturally to me because I'm a people person and I like, I want to be your friend. Like, you know, I'm a people person. I enjoy people. I enjoy being around. I feed off of it. And like, that's just, you know, that's a, a bonus for me because it comes naturally. Uh, but yeah, if anyone's learning or wanting to learn, you know, any, you know, how to, not necessarily be a people person, but work with people better, I would highly recommend just researching body language because it's a huge thing to walk into a room and and just be like, this is happening with this person. This is that, da, 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 da. And, then, and if your client's acting a certain way or holding their body or their posture or their arms and their arms are crossed, then you can deactivate that and like get in there and make them feel more comfortable. Like it's gonna be better for you. For sure, for sure. Did you always picture yourself working as a solo entrepreneur when you were, <laughs> no? <laughs> no, God, no. I was, in a, I was in my rock and roll band back in California and I thought that was gonna be my life. Yes. Oh God, I'm so glad it's not. Uh, and then I went to school to be a teacher. Okay. Um, and I was gonna be a fourth grade teacher so I went to school for that in Santa Barbara, and I've never set foot in a classroom. <laughs> You'd have been good at it, but you would have been miserable. From my I mean, yeah. I think so. And I, you know, what they don't tell you in college is like, this is how much you're gonna make. Like it's. I remember when I was at HEB once, and I was talking to this lady that was ringing me up, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so tired. I just got off my other day job." And I was like, oh man, like you have a long day. Like what's your, what's your day job? And she's like, oh, I'm a fourth grade teacher. And it just hit me like, holy shit. Like you're working two jobs to make, to get by. 
like to to make ends meet and like oh my god yeah like i i i was i don't know i didn't really have a lot of guidance in that area in life i was raised by my mom uh my entire life and you know dad was here and there but not really and then my mom passed away when i was 18 and kind of started to figure had to figure things out and have an up you know the choice but i had to figure things out um on my own and my you know her sister and my aunt kind of uh her sister and my aunt kind of you know stepped up and filled that role but i think at like 24 years old i like remember pulling over and like crying and i called her and i was like hey you have got to cut me off from everything like i like don't stop paying for everything like I'm 24, like, I can't even tie my own shoes. Like, I don't even know how to, like, go to the DMV and do this kind of stuff. I don't know how to pay for my cell phone bill. Like, you're, like, you, you, you can't baby me anymore. And, and, and so I just had no, op- no other options but to push forward and figure things out on my own. Kudos to you for doing that, because there's lots of people that don't. <laughs> oh, man, I know. Now I look back, I'm like, damn, that was dumb. <laughs> but I think it made me you know, a better person. Like, yes, for sure it did. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that was, and you said, you, did you grow up in California? Is that where you're from? Yeah. Okay. okay. What brought you to Austin? Uh, yeah, I think my buddy, a couple of our friends and I were just kind of over the Santa Barbara lifestyle. And uh, looking for a change, um, my buddy Adam had moved out here and he got a duplex down south. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually about to move to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never been to Chicago. I didn't have a job in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, but I knew that I wanted to try Chicago pizza, which I still have never done. <clears throat> but Adam was like, don't go to Chicago. You're going to hate it. It's too cold. Come to Austin. Check it out. If you don't like it, then you can go somewhere else. And I said, fuck it. All right. So we had like, I think the first round of us was like five or six people. Yeah. And total was like 22 yeah. friends of us, car, like car pulled out here. Okay. And there was a, a point uh, when we first moved out here, like eight of us, that we were all sleeping on Adam's living room floor. I was in a kitchen on an air mattress for like, three months while I looked for work. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just had to get out of California. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my living situation when I first moved out here was a kitchen floor with an air mattress. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, actually, I actually just drove by that house the other day when I was getting some metal. That's fun time. When was that? What year was that? Was that? 2007. For Austin people, that's like another era, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, for people listening outside of Austin, this town has changed tremendously in 13 years. It's kind of crazy. Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. I don't get to experience it that much. Like if I'm driving into downtown cause I'm driving and I'm a grandpa, but if I take an Uber downtown, I'm just like, wow, I feel like I'm in a city. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. When did that building go? That's a hotel. Yes. Like, you know, I recently exactly. took my, I took my scooter. My scooter has been like my, saving grace for this pandemic and getting me out of the house and being able to be safe about it, but like bombing around. And I mean, there's a new downtown, there's a new hotel on West 6th street. What? (laughs) 
It's insane. It's breathtaking. It looks great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not. I'm honestly not mad at the change. When we first moved here, I was like, man, I thought this, like it was going to be a bigger city like L.A. or New York. And uh, that's what I was kind of looking forward to. And I, it was bigger than Santa Barbara. I think anything is. Yeah. But um, I was just like, man, like we need we need a Target downtown. Like we need a hardware store downtown. We need a Best Buy downtown. Like we need these things downtown. Like we are the capital of Texas, and we don't have anything downtown. Yeah. Like we, you know what I mean? Like when you go to New York, like you can pop into a Target downtown. Now we have it. Like oh, super yeah. recently, like it's now it's there, and it, it's it, I think it looks great. A lot of people hate it. I get it. It's you know pushing people out and getting gentrification, and that's really hard to deal with. Uh, especially if you like, you understand what that actually means and yeah. what it's doing. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, like, it's, it's there, it's happening, and you know, you could spend all day getting pissed off. And you, there are things you can do and steps you can take and mm -hmm. things to sign and ways to act. But you know, you, at the end of the day, you can only do what you can do and how much it, whatever. And at the end of the day, you can only do so much. Um, and other than that, you have to embrace it. Or you're, just gonna get, or you're just gonna get so mad and waste so much valuable energy on stuff that like you can't control at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. We're getting closer to the end. I wanted to wrap up with one question, which is for people that are feeling a little, I don't know if defeatist is the right word, but I feel like this is a good segue from what you just pointed out about staying positive. Is there any advice we give people that are feeling like, working for themselves or putting their work out there is just too insurmountable or too scary or they're feeling scared about doing stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I still deal with that. I still, I've had clients where I've done big, like a big job for them and then it's done and they're like, well, actually, this isn't what we were expecting, so we're not gonna pay you a large sum of money. And then I'm just like, oh my God, what do you mean? Uh, I've had to go from a giant shop to my friend's like wood shed in his backyard that was like an eight by ten wow. shop. Wow. Like, shed uh, in the middle of like, you know, growl or like, you know, me doing what I'm doing. Like yep. crazy stuff. Like, and there are always going to be those days and those times in your career or your life in general where you just don't. Feel like you're going to see the light of that end of the tunnel and i have been there uh several times and i have dealt with those downs and those low lows where i just like want to cry and i just feel like maybe this whole thing's been a joke maybe i don't know what i'm doing maybe i am you know living a lie i don't know um but those feelings and that that heaviness that you'll end up feeling because you will feel it uh is not the end like you will always 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 get through that and so i think it's important to just don't let the man beat you down and you know keep your head up even when it's the heaviest thing you've ever felt and listen to growler on your shoulder which i love that that, yeah, I love that. <laughs> oh, that. Just a little Jordan. Yeah, a little <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, and I also think, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not super religious or anything like that, but I do really think 
that the energy, energy in general is a thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these big jobs or little jobs, you know, if you're starting out and if you want it, like put it out, put it out there. Like you don't have to set out your crystals and burn your stage and yada, yada, yada. But if you, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I'm going to get this. Yeah. They're going to call me. Yeah. And like literally always happens. Oh. And you get fortune cookies that friggin' move some shit. You know, I that, have was the, that was the craziest thing. <laughs> um, in 2003, I opened one in Miami, Florida that said I was going to make a name for myself and I keep it on me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. Hell yeah. So, cool. so is there anything else that you would want people to know about you that they wouldn't necessarily know? That's a broad question. So you can say you can pass, but. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. Huh? I don't know. I'm pretty open about everything. You are, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. No, I actually I had someone ask me that in a podcast interview, and I also didn't know. And then I was like, I'm going to use that in the future. But but what? <laughs> it's kind of hard. Yeah. I what, I I don't. Yeah. Like that's like the sit around and go like, I right, tell me something you don't know about your. You don't know about your. Like, I don't know. I've only been skydiving one time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> totally unrelevant. <laughs> Totally irrelevant to what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I don't, nothing, this, nothing that you don't, people don't already know. Thank you for coming and doing this because I had, honestly, you lit a fire under my butt because I've been wanting to have some more people on this podcast. And so it was really great to, to be able to connect with you and do this. Yeah. Um, and uh, people can find your information um, at your website and on your social media. Those links are going to be in the show notes so people can check them out and they should connect with you because I love your social media presence. And um, I, feel, I feel like your videos and stuff make me smile on a daily basis. It's um, funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny because like, like I said, like it's, uh, it took me a long time and I'm still getting used to the idea of talking on your phone. Like, guys, we're in the shop today. da 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 but um you know oh where was i gonna go with this oh but because i felt like who cares sometimes again oh who cares hey guys i'm in the shop today and we're gonna be sanding this table down and we're gonna do some welding and then sometimes i'm just like who cares and i won't post it but i get so many people messaging me like of all walks of life just yeah. like hey uh, I just want to let you know, like, I really like watching your content. Really think your videos are great. And like, I really look forward to watching them when you post them because they make, my, they make, they're fun and they make me feel good. And I'm like, okay, so I'm doing, okay. So this makes sense now. Now <laughs> I feel, now I feel like I'm a little bit more comfortable. Heck yeah. No, it's validating even for me to hear that because you've inspired me to try to do that. And, and for a similar reason, I always wonder, do people give a shit? But they do give a shit. They totally do. Yeah. Oh my God. It's insane. It's, in, it's yes, they do. They love the whole ask me anything questions. You know, like it's, it's nice to know that people care about that because when you, if you're doing it and no one cares, then what's the point? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm yeah. not putting it out there for me to watch it. Like yeah. I want, I want to engage with people. I want people to engage with me back and be like, Oh, that's so cool. I never thought about that. Like I did, I did, I posted a video the other day and was literally like, I'm sure I'm going to get so many people being like, oh yeah, no, no shit. Blah, blah, blah. 
but that wasn't that video wasn't for you that was for the people that didn't know about that but then i did it and all these people were like dude i never thought about doing it like that that's insane that's so cool you know yeah totally so, i think it's i think you should do it I, I'm, I'm trying to bust emily's balls about getting more comfortable and like i think you guys do so much cool shit or like i would love to be like hey guys it's becca uh, we're at the location on 4th and Waller and we're going to start doing this mural. I'm going to set up a time lapse and we'll check back in later. Love you guys. And that's it. Yes. Oh. But, there, but I record, I record that sentence like 30 times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like for real, it's insane how many bloopers I have on this phone. Oh, that's so humanizing to hear. Cause I think everyone secretly worries they're the only one that does that. Right. You know, like, Oh my God. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. It's true. Yeah. Uh, well, so. uh, people should. So what you're saying is people should connect with you and contact you because you love connecting with them back. And so everyone do that right now. Get off this podcast. Connect with Jordan from Growler Domestic. I so appreciate this, Jordan. Thank you. Oh, I had so much fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah.